Steve did not trust me to introduce him, so clearly he knows what he was in for if I was to do the introducing. So instead, I get to introduce somebody who's in, in my small group that meets at least once a year. And uh, um, so this morning, um, I, I guess it's a bit of a Rotarian tradition that presidents, you know, they always wear these pins. That's how I identify them in a group, and I see at least one this morning. So without any further confusion, which I seem to have plenty of, um, I'll, I'll introduce Jim Coyle, and Jim Coyle will be introducing our speaker this morning. I've known Jim, you know, longer than I probably deserve to. Um, I've forgotten. I, yeah, now I remember. I was introduced to Jim by a judge. <laughs> that's that's a great way to get your attention. There's a little more background to that. that uh, it, it, it involved uh, scanning of paper, which is something that Jim and I have in common uh, on our day jobs. And so uh, a judge introduced us to each other, what, 15, 20 years ago, maybe? It's been a while. And so uh, I've gotten to know Jim and RUMC a little bit through his eyes. And so it's my pleasure to ask him this morning to introduce his friend, Steve Stroud. Come on up, Jim. Well, thank you, and, and it is indeed a pleasure to introduce my friend, Steve Stroud. Um, speaking of day jobs, Eric, uh, Steve's day job is what he usually talks about. And I'm, unless you failed to get the memo to him, this isn't a state of the city address, right? That's correct. All right, all right. So, Anyway, so Steve, uh, I had a bio. I didn't even bring it. It's two pages long. I can only think of one other person out of this church that might have as many accolades, and it would be Malone. But uh, short of that, Steve has been um, intrinsically involved in growing this city. He started out as an entrepreneur in his own business, a family business. His cheese moved, most definitely. The printing business changed under him, and he had to find something else to do. Um, Heading towards government would have been the last thing I would think the true entrepreneur would want to do, but Steve did it in a creative way, and he founded and started uh, Roswell, Inc. Um, if you all are familiar with that, that is the private partner, uh, private government partnership that really works to uh, take the objectives of the city about what kind of growth we want to see and, and bring it in, into action. So. That's the long kind of professional resume that has lots of awards and accolades. Uh, Steve sat on damn near every board that we're sitting on in this town, and, and so I, I admire his leadership. I, I aspire one day to follow in his footsteps. But having said that, there's some guys at Rotary. We have a, a fun drinking game we invented, and it, you basically take all the neighbor newspapers and the other local rags, and you stack them in a stack for the last 10 years, and Everybody draws one at random, and you open a page, and if there's a picture of Steve Stroud or his name on it, you have to take a shot at tequila. <laughs> <laughs> <And> you, <laughs> so you, you get the point. The boy's kind of a big deal. So we're going to set that aside, and I'm going to just tell you personally uh, my experience with Steve. It really started through my wife. Take that any way you want. But she, is, she was a teacher here at RUMC in the kindergarten program for 14 years and had the pleasure of, I don't know if all three, but at least a couple, two, Two of his beautiful and very smart daughters. Um, I don't give Cheryl any credit for that, but they, they just happen to be. Um, other than that one that just graduated from that little ag school in Athens. That, but other than that, uh, that's where we first got to know them. But Steve kind of has that ability, as most leaders do, of seeing people around him that he can influence in a positive way. And I think he saw me heading towards that empty nester stage of my life, and he said, um, that guy has time on his hands. <laughs> so we had a fateful cup of coffee, and the next thing you know, I was on the Starhouse board. I was a member of Rotary. I think I'd been assigned to about six committees, and my life changed. And 
I take that as almost a God moment, even though it wasn't necessarily in the confines of the church, but Steve kind of awakened me to the tribe that I now call Roswell Rotary. So with that, you all will probably hear about a different journey that isn't about all his professional accolades, but um, he and his late wife Kathleen, he walked her through the, the valley of the shadow of death, and, and he's a testament to how life can be restored with God's help, and, and I hope he will share with us today some of the insights about how to rebuild a life, how to refine happiness. And with that, I'd like you all to help me welcome my friend Steve Stroud. I guess I, I, guess I should shake his hand. The check comes later. I, I don't use the microphone. If you can't hear me, you raise your hand. Uh, my mama said if you don't step up and speak, you're not going to get fed. So I, I step up and speak. Um, I am Steve Stroud, and I am just another guy. Another guy that gets up every morning and says, you know what, my glass is half full, and this is a great day. And I'm going to walk those dogs down Canton Street at 5.30 this morning, all three of them. And they better all three do their job, because i got some place to be, because somebody's going to call me at 6.45 if I'm not here. <laughs> I do enjoy life, and you know what, we're all thrown curveballs. We all have challenges. We have challenges in our career. We have challenges with our families, with our associates, with just life. Financial problems, health problems. But you know, we're here today. And I, for whatever reason, I believe this, that God put into me the ability to get up and be positive and be surrounded by people that are positive. And I get to pick and choose that, right? takes a long time to figure that out, but I do. Jim just said something to me that was uh, just kind of turned a light bulb on, and that was, we've got all these different circles in our life. I grew up in Roswell. My dad was, I was a J.C. Penny brat, and we moved around the country. When, he, when we landed with the opportunity to, to work, or my dad did, to work in J, at J.C. Penny down on Peachtree and come to the Southeast Region office, my great aunt, who lived in Dunwood, he said, oh, you're going to live in one or two places. You're either going to live in Roswell, which is out in the country, or you're going to live in Dunwoody because of the schools. Well, we landed in Roswell, and we landed at this church. That was 1976. So we've seen a lot of changes. I'll tell you, my parents didn't go to church, but I did. I found a guy named Malone that I'll never be able to be up to what Malone has done for this community, truly. And what I realized was my journey was just starting because I had inspiration. We've all been in front or listened to ministers, but Malone changed my life. Malone inspired me as a high school senior to take leadership classes. He inspired me to get up every day and look at the world as the cup's half full. And what that did for me was it helped me meet the challenges that I would meet later in life and continue to meet and go at them in a positive way. You know, I look at everything and I try to instill in my girls, and I've got two still at home. I've got a 14-year-old and I've got a just now 18-year-old senior. I've got a 23-year-old that got married this summer, which was a joy of my life because I was able to actually say to my son-in-law, 
That'd be a you problem now. <laughs> and he looked at me and I said, no, that'd be the phone service, the car insurance, all those wonderful things. And by the way, birthday parties, I've done enough pony shows and pony pin the uh, tail on the donkey. I said, she's going to be 23 this year. That'll be a you problem. You have that party, right? Um, but truly, I love my girls, but I try to instill in them We've never met a stranger, and that things are positive before they're negative. And let people show you who they really are, and entrust in people up front. And that's something I've tried to, to emphasize, hopefully to emphasize to the next generation when I've got the grandkids, is that, you know what, people are good. People want to do good. Yes, there's people that aren't. But people, for the most part, are good and want to do good. You know, my challenges of life have, have been many and great. I thought the world was at my hands. I thought if I opened a business in Roswell, I went to high school here, I married my high school sweetheart, everybody would do business with me, so it would be so simple. Because I'm a nice guy. That's not true. you got to earn it, right? I found the hard way when I went up to Truman Patrick's office and I knocked on his state farm and I said, you've been doing, my dad's been doing business with you forever. How can I get that business? I need your business. He looked at me and goes, I've been doing business with Al Miller down the road for 25 years. I'm not changing, but I appreciate it. If something changes, I'll, I'll come to you. Well, that inspired me because that told me I need Truman Patrick's business. I need to figure out how I'm going to get that legendary state farm business. That inspired me to say, all right, Trumi, I may not be able to get your business, but who do you know that I can call on so I can grow my business? I can grow my printing business. Well, Trumi introduced me to the senior regional manager for the Southeast. And for 15 years, I printed for the state farm Southeast region office. And that account that would have been Trumi's small account became one of our largest accounts for 15 years. It was making sure that we didn't let any door close, that any opportunity, and no to me is a yes. And that's the way I operate. You can tell I'm a sales guy, and that's what my job is. That's why I'm passionate about Roswell. And that's why I go out and sell Roswell every day, because this is my home. I believe in the people. I believe in the resources. And I believe we have the best opportunity to be the place that, as I've always said, my goal is to be able to bring that opportunity for my son-in-law, my daughter, my two girls, to have a safe place to live, a good paying job, and a great place to be. And that's Roswell. And if I do my job really well every day, and I inspire other people because they have the right kind of business in Roswell, then guess what happens? We have that opportunity. We have that opportunity to grow our, our community. Whether it's faith-based, whether it's through the businesses or the corporate citizens that move here, or it's the small entrepreneur or the veteran that's about to open a business or buy a franchise. That's our role. But you know, my role as, as a father and as a husband, has not been an easy role. This man over here, Mr. Ward, stood with me 
And many of the folks in this church stood with me in some trying times. My wife went through several pregnancies before we got pregnant. We thought, oh man, this will be an easy thing. We're going to get pregnant. We're going to have kids. She wanted six. We got three. <laughs> oh man, I'd be grayer than I am now. But we had tough times. And those are challenges for any family, male or female. And luckily, through the help of modern science, we got our first baby. And we were so excited. Took us four years to get our next baby, and boom, we had two before we knew it. So we had three, and we were done. And God said, you're done. This is your mission. Three girls. Stroud, you can do it. If anybody can do it, you can do it. So I did. And we started that journey of raising our girls. As Jim said, bringing them to RUMC, kindergarten. To being involved in the church. To be involved in the community. To YMCA soccer. To Roswell Rec lacrosse. To all the things you do. All three of my girls have gone to a fellowship Christian school and gone through that process and been a part of this community. In 2011, I, I'd been struggling for about six years. Our business was in business for 30 years. And with counsel of, of good friends like Jim Coyle and Don Howard, if you know that, from Bank of North Georgia and the old Roswell Bank days, what do I do with my business? I see companies like State Farm going digital. I see companies like Synovus cutting back on the number of print orders. <coughs> That time I had almost 20 employees over here on Old Roswell Road. How do, I, how do I deal with that? How do I deal with the stress of payroll every week? Well, the first thing you do is you say, I'm not taking a paycheck. That's the first thing you do. And then you, then you realize, whoa, Nelly, I've got all these expenses. I've got these things coming up. And one day you wake up and you say, I gotta sell the car. I gotta get rid of the Volvo. We're not going on spring break this year, girls. We're going on a staycation. We're gonna pull it in. And I don't know about you, but my great aunt was right. This is a great community, but there's a lot of pressure in this community. There's a lot of pressure to be something you may not be. And to just change direction as a family sometimes is a challenge. But we did it. We purged. We didn't sell our house, we refinanced. We pulled all our resources together and sold the Volvo, and I sold the Lincoln Navigator. We went down to a PT Cruiser and a 2005 Kia with 100,000 miles on it that I bought from Bob Hagen, used. <laughs> And that was a deal, let me tell you. I love Bob. But the point being is, we had to bring it in. That was 2010, 2011. I had an opportunity to serve this community, and I was appointed by the mayor to be on the Roswell Recreation Commission. My first meeting was a Thursday night, August 2nd, and I remember it. I went home to have dinner and find out that you know, the, the meeting was at 7, and I walk in, and my, and my wife's crying. And I said, Kathleen, what's up? What's going on? She said, you got to sit down. 
just had my mammogram yesterday, and I've got breast cancer. They just called. And I said, what? I was like blown away. Life changed. I'd gone through the financial thing, and we were on it, man. The glass was half full, and we were going to solve that. But all of a sudden, God had thrown me another curveball that I didn't know what that meant. Like, whoa. I said, okay. Typical Steve Stroud fashion. We're on it. What do we got to do? I called Joe Glover, who's head of Parks and Rec, said, Joe, I've got a little problem. I can't make it tonight. I know this was supposed to be my first night, but it was that one instance in my life where things started to change that said, this is the most important thing I can do right now. And I was so excited about that personally, about being asked to be on the Roswell Recreation Commission. But then God said to you, uh-uh, this is where you've got to be. That was an aha moment for me. And that was just the beginning of a two-year battle. And Mr. Ward over here, for example, stood by me at 6 o'clock on a, on a Tuesday morning at Chick-fil-A when things were really tough. I didn't know that we weren't going to be able to win that battle. I didn't know that that cancer was that aggressive. We went to MD Anderson, Sloan Kettering. We went to the same doctors, Lane Alderman. My wife and Lane compared notes. They were having the same symptoms with their hands and their feet. They'd call each other and text each other. And, the, and my daughters were seeing their mother dying around them. She fought to the very end. She got good scans back. And we would cheer and praise and pray again. I woke up one morning several months before she died in 13, and I heard a chanting. We lived in State Street, Devereaux Downs, the cul-de-sac at the very end. And I heard this chanting, and it was like 6.45 in the morning, and I could hear car doors shutting, and I could hear all of this noise, and I go and I pull the blinds, and there are hundreds of people that had surrounded our house double lines around our whole property, and they were praying for Kathleen. I was over, <clears throat> overcome. They were praying that she would be healed. And I knew God was going to answer that question. And he was going to solve that for me. For me. But guess what? Two months later, we went on spring break. Scans were good, and I thought he had answered that question. We come home, and we'd been a week in Florida. We actually, with Bob Hagen's, Bob, Bob had let us use his place in New Smyrna. Bob let us go down there, and we came home, and all was good, and Sunday morning, we were supposed to go to church. She wouldn't wake up. This is in April. I'm thinking, that's just odd. She just said, I, I need to go back to sleep. I need to go back to sleep. Well, that wasn't my wife's. She was a fighter. She was teaching school, by the way, at fellowship. Eighth grade math. This was April. Finally, I, by 3 o'clock, I called her oncologist. I called several of the other doctors. She was kind of like lethargic. She just didn't 
She wasn't responding. I called 911. We took her to Emory. Had her lungs drained because there was pressure on her lungs and found out that it had moved to the brain. We immediately got her on a steroid, and she was back to work. That was a Sunday. She was back to work on Thursday like a new person. I sat in that waiting room in Emory and had one of those aha moments again. When the doctors had told me she needs to not go back to work, she needs to not drive, and you need to prepare yourself. And I said, just me, by myself, in that room, with one man up above, and I said, God, what are you telling me? I knew right then. God was telling me, it's time to sell my business. It's time to be prepared that I am going to be a single dad. And that I need to be on a mission. That glass needs to be half full, and I need to be the leader of this. And I need to get it together in this room right now. And when I leave here, I have a mission. And that's a mission to be prepared. That was a hard thing that day. I sat in that room. But knowing Kathleen, she went back to work. She went, she taught summer school that year. She taught up to 20 days before she died in December of 13. But I was prepared, I thought. I had no idea what that next chapter was going to look like. She went in for a routine weekly drain of her, of her lungs, the, the fluid around her lungs. And her mother calls me, who had been staying with us, add your mother-in-law to the mix for a year and a half in your basement. <laughs> Loved her dearly. We would have gotten there had it not been. But that was another new challenge in my life. She went in. Her lung was drained. They said, we're not going to release her today. Okay, we're going to keep her overnight, get her some fluids, get her back up. That was a Wednesday. On Friday, we were placing her in hospice, and on Sunday, she passed away. I woke up the next morning, and I packed my girls up. I called the headmaster of the school. It was the last week of finals, and I said, the Strouds are leaving town. And we did for three weeks. It was just the four of us. One of the last things, and, and, and to put some, some likeness on, on the situation, one of the last things she said, and I shared it with Jim many times, she brought the girls together, she brought me together, her mom was there, her brothers flew in. We knew that it was, the end was near. And she got this really big smile on her face. And she said, I want you girls to do one thing. Don't let your daddy marry a hoochie mama. <laughs> now, we have been trying to define hoochie mama for five years. But we think we know what that was, right? Um, but God changed our lives. I spent the next six months in a fog. 
I can't, can't even begin to tell you what this community means to me and what they did for our family over the next six to 12 months. There were more casseroles at our house. There were more people with love. There were more things that fell out of the sky that I can't even tell you. I had people literally take our finances and run one direction. By the way, I'm in a new job, right, while this is all happening. I've got people taking care of things that I don't even know are happening. Things are just happening around me. Where I would had prepared for six months, right, to be the leader, and all of a sudden things are just, and it's quiet. Am I good on time? One thing I wasn't prepared for was not having a partner. I had three daughters, and they were my daughters. But I didn't have a partner every day. I didn't have anybody to bounce things off of. I had tons of friends, the school, the church. I can't even tell you the number of people that surround our family and lifted us up. But all of a sudden, I was very lonely. Not only was I lonely because I'd lost Kathleen, I was lonely because I was excluded out of circles that I'd been in for years. That's a loneliness that a guy, that's a sales guy, doesn't do well in. So I resor resorted to something that I thought I would never have a problem with, and that was drinking. I never was a big drinker, but it was easy. I got asked out to more Bible studies, we call it, than you could say, shake a stick at at 5 o'clock at a local pub. And that seemed to numb things. It seemed to make it better for the moment, right? And it did for a while, for a, for a long while, for a couple of years. And then it was like, I'm still missing a piece because I don't have that relationship. And by the way, I left out a really valuable piece. And I'm going to say this, so get ready if I get... I was pissed at God. I was majorly pissed. I had to have Mike Long come in and sit down with my, my now 18-year-old, my middle one, and say, Camille, it's okay for you to be mad at God. You can be mad at God for a long time because what has happened is wrong. It's okay. So I had turned from the church and I had turned from a lot of things thinking there's another path out there that would lead me to right. I was still thinking I was happy. I was still glass half full. I was still energetic. But I, was, I had a hole. I made the decision to start to date. Oh, what a fatal decision that was. <laughs> that hoochie mama determination in that, that term was still hanging out there. I was ready. My girls won. The first two dates, forget that. That wasn't happening. The third, I thought I'd found a winner. Not so much. I don't know about you, but dating at 50 is not an easy easy thing. I don't, I don't think it was easy at 18, but I can tell you at 50, it's not an easy process, especially with three kids. 
But then I got lucky. God put me in the same room with a lady with no children that had just moved here. And by coincidence, I graduated high school with her first cousin. <laughs> Took me a couple months, and I asked her out. And I was smart. One of those moments, we guys are smart. I invited all the girls on the first date. So everybody got to meet her. Went pretty well. In October, after two and a half years, we're married. When I thought it was as dark as it could be, I found love again. Do I still love Kathleen? More than ever. But I have a purpose now. I have a new chapter, a new circle, a way for my next chapter. Because I've still got a lot of glasses to drink. And I don't drink anymore, by the way. I gave it up. Not because I feel this urge that I couldn't. It's because I don't want to go back. I don't want to go through those dark days again. Because you know what? I get up every day. That's not what's going to change me. I was offered a glass of wine the other night. And I said to Kathleen, yeah, I, mean, I still say Kathleen. I said to Amy, I said, Amy, I just don't feel the need. It's just not some place I want to go back to. Maybe someday. Don't know. But it's not the tool that I need right now to move me forward. And right now, what's my guiding light is my girls and my new wife, Amy. And what she has done for our lives, the enrichment that she brings every day, is a game changer. It gives me the new hope that if you had told me Three years ago, I was going to have a puppy in the house and two teenagers, that I would sell that house in Devereaux, that I would downsize, that I would right-size, that I wouldn't be driving the tractor and cutting grass on them every weekend. I'd have said, no, that's not going to happen. But it's happened. And I, said, I find that we walk six miles a day. That's our goal. In the morning and in the evening. And we've, she was married prior. She'd been divorced 10 years. We said, guess what? We're getting a second chance, both of us. Let's figure out how we can make this better and how we can do it the right way. So one of the things that we decided was, as a couple, we weren't going to get married. We weren't going to live together until we got married. And we weren't going to do that until we made a commitment to each other. And that commitment was to communicate. I do it every day to sell Roswell. Why can't I do it with my spouse? Our biggest challenge in life is being able to communicate to each other, whether it's your spouse, your kids, your boss. Those three miles a night, we talk about everything. Because what we found was by walking, 
and talking, there's not much we can't talk about. And if we're truly going to be partners as a husband and wife and as a couple, then we've got to talk. I call it our marriage therapy. And it's so simple. Yeah, we, we burn a few calories and then we can justify another piece of candy or a piece of cake or another meal on Canton Street. But our walks are what bring us together. We all talk about walks and our journeys, but we do it every day. I can tell you that I'm a better man today because of the experiences. I'm 55 years old and the journey has just begun. The experience that I've had is only going to make me better for my next part of my journey. And I believe that God is always in, in your house. You just have to open the curtains and let him in. And all of us have at some point or other closed the curtains. My curtains are back wide open. Matter of fact, we didn't even put curtains up on our main floor so the light can come in. And I believe every day that we've got on this earth, part of our job as men, part of our job as humans is to inspire each other and to help each other. Because there's always somebody that's got it worse than we do. And we just don't know it. And a lot of times, we just don't talk about it. We miss the opportunities to talk about it. My dad is 78. I'm an only child. And I'm going through a new chapter. He's got Alzheimer's. My mother, 75, in great health. She's the caretaker. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to keep her healthy. It's a new chapter. But guess what? We're going to get through this. We're going to do everything we can to make sure, as my girls call him, Boppy, still knows who they are for as long as we possibly can. We're going to keep him at home for as long as we possibly can. But it's our faith that's going to get us through that next chapter, right? We're all experiencing these things. It doesn't get any easier. It's just a different chapter. And we've just got to keep that same faith that we've had all the way through and encourage each other. My job in Roswell, and I can't leave a room this large, with Roswell residents is one of the greatest things that God gave me. He gave me the ability and the, the opportunity to do what I do best, and that is sell. And my job is to sell Roswell. Sell Roswell and understand who we are. I spent 30 years trying to sell to Trumy Patrick and, and folks like that and small entrepreneurs and learned really quick that I needed to have bigger accounts that are outside of Roswell for our small company to survive. And we did. We had companies all throughout the southeast that we shipped product to, printed product. 
What I didn't understand was the dynamics truly of Roswell. Yes, I was on the chamber board. Yes, I was chairman of the chamber. Yes, I was involved in all these great accolades of all these different organizations and boards. But until I took this role, diving into economic development and understanding what is happening, now I understand that we are the largest concentration of new cars between Satellite Boulevard and Cobb Parkway. We have 18 car dealerships in Roswell that help keep our taxes down in Roswell. The largest industry. $850 million worth of new car sales in Roswell last year. Almost a billion dollars. That's from Maserati, Ferrari to a brand new Hyundai. That's 18 new car dealerships. It's 3,000 jobs with an average salary of $60,000. That's a lot of people, guys. That doesn't even count GM's IT center. So we got 1,500 people making an average salary of $88,000, and they don't even know what brands GM sells. Okay? <laughs> True. They don't know that the GM is a Cadillac's a GM, right? They're all IT guys. That the hospital, careful. careful. The hospital, <laughs> Wellstar added 200 new doctors to their payroll last year. There are over 1,200 employees at Wellstar. They are putting $87 million into that hospital in capital improvements. That's a huge improvement. Those are the things that get me excited, to build that quality of life for my girls to stay here. Kimberly Clark, that's growing again, is sitting on 90 acres, been here since 1998. Excuse me, 1987, reverse, 1987, been in Roswell. They're only utilizing 45 acres. You guys came because of Kimberly Clark, right? Yeah. It's a true story. The Hills, that's how I met the Hills. Truly, that company has evolved and changed and is changing again. This is their innovation center and their head of IT. This is the largest concentration of Kimberly Clark employees in the world outside of manufacturing. Over 1,300 over here in seats, and they're growing again. That helps our economy. Two weeks ago, we, we announced McKesson coming to Roswell. McKesson's bringing 500 jobs here. Average salary is $117,000. I was a part of that team that convinced them not to go to Columbus, Ohio. We were able to say, stay in Georgia. Go from Alpharetta, but come to Roswell. We've got the space for you, and we want you here. Do you know how many families we saved in our community that wouldn't, wouldn't have to transfer to either Irving, Texas, or Columbus, Ohio? Tremendous amounts. That's important, and that's why I get excited every day about our job. But I'm just as excited about the new hotel that's coming in across the street. Or relocating the ice cream shop that had just opened up into a, the new project and keeping all those businesses here. And helping that small entrepreneur, the new, new veteran that just come out of the military, help him buy a, a franchise and open up a franchise in Roswell. That gets me excited. So you know what? Life throws us all curveballs. 
but it's how we try to catch it, how we try to avoid the, the landmines and the pits, and how we look at our day. And if anything comes out of this breakfast this morning, just know my door is always open. And I have a, if you call my voicemail, you'll hear this. It's a great day to do business in Roswell, Georgia. Thank you. Well, I am so grateful that uh, Steve did not disappoint. Um, whether or not you've been in Roswell three months or three decades, there are so many authentic God journeys around you. There may be some things that you discovered today about Steve, and I'm sure he'll hang around and give you an opportunity to, to dig into those. But at every one of these tables, there are real things going on in our lives. We have an opportunity as a men's group to participate in what I think is one of this church's most impactful events of the year. It's Alter Your Life. It's coming up the weekend after the Super Bowl. I try and put calendar events in terms that people can remember. It's the weekend after the Super Bowl. It's normally the first weekend in February, but we move it because it's the weekend after the Super Bowl. And I believe Atlanta is hosting the Super Bowl and uh, this, this year. You all have gotten a link, two links probably. One that came out for uh, a sign-up sheet. The sign-up sheet is just for us. That's not the sign-up sheet. for. That's the sign-up sheet of the jobs that Jason and the Dodd folks thought we would be most uh, qualified for. It's traffic duty, it's hall monitors, it's, it's, it's things that guys can do without a whole lot of specialized training. And so, so believe me, there, there's a, a larger list. It is my hope that at every one of your tables this morning, someone has either been a part of Alter Your Life or who has a, a family member or knows somebody that has been a part of Alter Your Life. I sent out a link to a video in the, the email that was for this week. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it. But that wasn't a video made someplace else. That video was made in our church. If you look real, you might have to go back and look at what looked like a concert venue. That was our sanctuary. There will be 500 youth and college students there to help here the week after the Super Bowl, the weekend after the Super Bowl. <clears throat> I'm hoping that we can fulfill all of the hall monitor jobs, all of the, you know, it's basically standing around making certain that the guys and the girls go into different bathrooms. <laughs> but you get to know the people you're, you're doing a hall monitor with. There are other responsibilities there. We need 50 host families. Now, the host family responsibility is, is, is significant. I don't want to trivialize that at all. Has anybody here been a host family? Oh, all right. So, perfect. Um, on your table, there's uh, the little notepad. I'd like you to take five minutes. I'd like the person who just raised their hands to tell you a little bit about their host family experience. On the piece of paper, if you've got a prayer concern that you'd be willing to share with your table or a praise that you'd be willing to share with your table, do that. And if the people who raised their hands would stay around just five minutes more with me, 
I would like them to, to collect that information and we'll roll that up that way. Um, our next speaker will be uh, John Bauer. He was heavily involved in the Dodd. And we will have that Thursday morning breakfast, the Thursday before Alter Your Life starts, the next day. Um, a quick raise of hands here around our, our traditional March breakfast would be um, like March the 1st, or I think is whatever the date is. But um, I've been asked by the GIC folks if we would consider moving it to February 28th. That's basically a week before it would be otherwise because then we're likely to have missionaries in town. So we will probably have two men's breakfasts in, technically in February so that we can actually have a missionary here that morning um, because we're not going to ask them to stay an extra week for us. <laughs> um, I am so grateful that this morning we've had such a good uh, witness from Steve and uh, I want to thank him again for uh, being willing to be transparent and be authentic. And at the same time, if you don't sense his enthusiasm, the guy next to you needs to wake you up because <laughs> he, he's the real deal. Um, so take a few minutes at your table. Please uh, find out about Alter Your Life from somebody who has had their life a little altered by the experience. And uh, I look forward to seeing everybody here again in February, and thank you so much this morning for being here and being so truly present. Thanks, guys.